What's up, friends? Welcome to Beyond the Cover Podcast with me, your host, Becky Kahn. This is the second episode of season two, 2021. Can't even believe it. And I am actually in awe of the guest that we have today because she's so inspiring. She's so strong. She is a pillar of faith for our community and for her reach and for the people around her. And um, you guys, today we have Kim Rice in the house. <laughs> Where's my button? Where's my button? Oh, here it is. Yes. <laughs> you didn't think it was really a button, did you? No, I knew because I heard it the other day. <laughs> Somebody, I, I told it on the, on the last podcast. I'm like, you know, people were like, you know, you can just like put a um, little sound effect. I'm like, yeah, but a button's like so much more fun. <laughs> I have a button too, and it's it's Trump, and it says you're fired. <laughs> okay, how often do you use this button? Nobody ever hears it but me. <laughs> That's okay. It gives you some it gives you some rest. You know? <laughs> like if I could just say this, it's it would on be my great. desk at work, and so yeah, like, mm-hmm. you're fired. Mm-hmm. Yep. As they walk out, not as they're sitting. as I hang up the phone. <laughs> Yeah, because no one's really walking out these days, are they? No. That's no. stupid. So. Um, well, you know, it's crazy how... I, I think that... So I haven't known you super long. Right. Right? And we don't know each other really well. Just sort of, I guess, um, casually know each other. Obviously, we've done some ministry together and mm-hmm. um, shared our faith experiences and things like that. But uh, I'm excited because I know... A little bit of your story that you're going to share today mm-hmm. and for whatever reason crazy but my I had a friend call me this morning and I knew I, or I had kind of heard that she was in um, a rehab facility and but I wasn't sure because she had not told me that right right well she called me this this morning like before you were coming uh-huh. and um, we had a conversation a good conversation I'm actually going to meet up with her later today and and share, you know, and love on her and encourage her and all the things. Um, but I just thought, how, how gracious and wonderful is our God that he just has these, these ordained appointments for us, yes. you know, mm-hmm. and um, that I, I have no doubt that it's not a mistake, you know, that she called me this morning and that we're going to meet later today after I talk with you. Do you know what I mean? Like, yes. It's just insane. So I want you to tell the listeners, um, like who you are, tell us a little bit of your story, where you come from, what makes Kim Rice, Kim Rice. <laughs> You're like, well, oh, how much time do you have? <laughs> it's a long story. Um, so of course I'm Kim Rice and, uh, my husband is Mike Rice and we live in Deer Park. Um, we have no children together, but we have four children. Three of those are mine, and one of them is his. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been married for 17 years, happily. And um, that's funny because sometimes they'll be like, "We've we've been happily married for 10 years, and we just celebrated our 20th anniversary." <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, of course. I'm kidding. Anyway, 17 yes, years. 17 years. Um, we've been through a lot together, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and you'll see that or hear that in my testimony. But um, so I work for an oil and gas company. I've been there for, I'm going to say, about 15 years. I'm a VP there. And so my job there is very 
um, demanding and mm-hmm. um, it's pretty much 24-7 mm-hmm. all the time. Uh, and so I, um, I'm going to say back in... I mean, I was raised in the church. I was raised in First Baptist Pasadena. Um, that's where we went. Um, my mom took us there. I know we rode buses there, you know, yeah. and that's how I was raised. And so um, in and out of my adulthood, um, I went to church. I didn't go to church. You know, my my uh, life with God wasn't, you know, 100% seven days a week every yeah. day, yeah. okay? And so... Um, <clears throat> You know, when my testimony, when I talk about my testimony, you'll see, I want to be able to tell you how, like, God had just really, he had a part in every single thing that happened um, during these times. And so, um, um, I'm going to, okay, so probably about 2004. um, So I have three children, two of them are girls, and one of them is my son. Um, My oldest is 34. Um, my middle daughter is 33, and my son is 26. But you only look 33. So Thank how is you, that girl. possible? <laughs> <laughs> I have to talk about that boy too. Offline, okay? <laughs> Give away I'll my tell secrets. you how you can do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have two girls and a boy too. Really? I do. Yeah. Aww. Yeah. My, but my boy's my oldest. So. Well, my, and, and then I have a stepson. He's the same age as, as um, my son. He's 26 as well. Gotcha. So. Um, and back, I'm going to say in 2004, um, well, even maybe 2003, mm-hmm. my oldest daughter um, was um, gotten a little bit of trouble. You know, her dad lives in Arkansas, and so that's, um, she kept saying she wanted to go live with her dad. Mm-hmm. And so after you hear that for so long, um, I finally just gave in and said, okay, you know, go ahead and move. Sure. And as long as dad is, is healthy and in a good place, I think it's it's good for them to do that. It's hard for us, yes. right? Mm-hmm. But it's good for them. But yeah, she needed to see a different a different right. side of, of what our life had been. And, and we had had a great life. I mean, we weren't rich by any means. And, right. you know, we were middle class. And um, we had good family time together. We did things. And, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't anything about that. It was just, I think, those teenage years. Sure. Um, <laughs> And so she went to uh, live in Arkansas with her dad. Um, She ended up graduating high school there uh, and meeting a boy, which scared me, you know. (laughs) And so she met a boy, and then they got married, and then she got pregnant and, you know, had a baby. So my first grandchild was uh, born in Arkansas. Oh, wow. that began my travels. (laughs) (laughs) And so begins the travels. So begins the travels, yes. Um, And then so Jessica... uh, um, is, uh, 33 now. And back then she, um, uh, graduated Deer Park High School. Um, and she was very responsible, very, had her own bills, had her own job, got her own apartment. Um, and then things kind of changed in her life. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm not sure what that change was, but she, uh, became an alcoholic Mm -hmm. of vodka. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, I mean, that was my first time dealing with anything like that. I wasn't really sure um, how, you know, everything was kind of kept secret. She didn't live at my home anymore, and sure. I wasn't, you know, apprised to all the stuff that was going on uh, until um, it came to a head, and uh, she had lost her job, was evicted, you know, from her apartment, and she 
we had to go find her. She was hanging out with some people and mm-hmm. doing some things she wasn't supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. So um, my husband went and we went and found her and we asked her to come home. And uh, it took her a couple of days, but then she called us and said, you know, can you come pick me up? And yeah. we did. And then uh, we put her in a facility for a couple of weeks to help get her better. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I know you're kind of like grazing over all of this, right? Right. But that had to be really difficult. Like It was horrible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, number one, did you feel, and you don't have to dive too much into this, but um, when, I, when I'm thinking about that, and I have not experienced that with my own children, thank the Lord, mm-hmm. um, I have experienced some difficulties, but mm-hmm. um, not addiction to, to that extent. Did, did Was there a certain amount of shame and guilt that came with just even that first, like, okay, she has a problem, and what do I do with this? Like, is this my fault? You know, did, did you experience any of those feelings? Yes, and so, I mean... We, I mean, we actually had to physically go find her. Yeah. And so um, one of her friends had led me to some information of where she might be. Um, and so when we arrived at this hotel, there were mm-hmm. some people in the parking lot. And what's funny about it is I didn't know who these people were, but I said, hey, did, did you see mm-hmm. her upstairs, you know? And they said, yeah. I said, can you tell me what room number? And they told me the room number. Mm-hmm. And so then when we were able to go up there and find her. I was devastated. Like I had never seen my child in that yeah. condition. Yeah. Uh, and so I didn't feel really shame or guilt at this point because it happened all so quickly yeah. and we resolved it so quickly. Yeah. Um, that, I mean, I just, I, I, I wanted to, you went into her. mom it mode. Was my, yeah, yeah. I went into mom mode. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, once she got out, she went to visit her sister mm-hmm. in Arkansas, mm-hmm. um, and then she met a boy. <laughs> these Arkansas boys, man. I'm telling you, these farmers. <laughs> and, she, and she stayed there, and she got married. So gotcha. that's why, you know, all of my grandkids are in Arkansas. Arkansas. <laughs> and we had that's to travel so there. Hard. Yes, so we traveled there quite a bit. Yeah. Um, but... Um, you know, with them, you know, growing up and out of the house, that just left us with um, our two boys. And um, so my stepson didn't live with us. You know, he was like first, third, and fifth, but came over a lot. And um, But my son did, Tyler. Um, he lived with us. And he, um, he was a baseball player mm. uh, for Deer Park High School. And we had... Um, I mean, pretty much his entire life was a baseball player from Durant Field to all the way up to high school. Mm -hmm. And he was very good. Um, He was a left-handed pitcher and he could hit, you know, and that's, you know, pretty much that. I think that's why I didn't get so consumed with my daughter is because I was so busy with him. Yeah. Um, Because all the tournaments, you know, all the travel ball, all the select teams, all of that stuff. Consumes Um, your life in a way. Yeah, it does. And, uh, um, well, I'm sorry. I'm just thinking of things that I haven't specifically said before. Sure. Um, So... uh, when in high school, Tyler had a girlfriend, um, and um, 
It's okay. It's okay. Um, this is all, you know, know, talking about these things and the listeners that are on the other end. This is this is bringing healing, right? right? And sometimes there's things. I, my pastor actually said this not long ago that. You know, there's there's a um, a spiritual connection between things coming out of the mouth. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and um, there's things that have to come from from the gut, from the belly of the situation, out of the mouth. And oftentimes that looks like words and telling a story. And sometimes that's a little more violent than that. But um, yeah. I think that there, there's there's healing that comes from that. And even though it's difficult, and I know that right now, like a lot of what we're talking about and recording and like all the things is so like pursuing discomfort for you you know yeah but I think this God's fixed to make me say something that I have never said in my testimony and probably something I'm very ashamed of mm. um and um everybody everybody knew how much I love my son and he was my baby you know mm. um and a mother and son's relationship is so much different than a mother and daughter's relationship it is, yeah um, and so sometimes we do things um, without thinking. I mean, at this time I wasn't, you know, going to church. I wasn't in my Christian faith the way I am today. Uh, so, you know, we have this kid that has this fabulous baseball career ahead of him. And um, so in his junior year, uh, this girlfriend... Um, claimed that she was pregnant Mm. and uh, that it was his and so um, her and I dad her her dad and I met and we both decided that um, she would have an abortion Mm. and I took her Mm. immediately and that happened Mm. and of course I'm me in my own time I've asked God for forgiveness for that and I feel horrible and I have apologized to her you know, mm. several times in the past couple of years, because we have still, we've, we've spoken, yeah. you know, in her concern for him still. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, her and I have a good relationship now, but it's just, I guess I would encourage people not to act rashly on things. Mm. You know, I wish I could go back and change that. And if I did, would that have changed the outcome mm. of everything that happened? You mm. know, mm-hmm. that that hurts me that I mean could, did I change life's plans mm-hmm. by making that decision um, well you have to, to to know and I know that you do know and trust that we serve a sovereign God mm-hmm. and he knows all things yes <laughs> he, he, he knew the path and the plan and the choice before it was it was it was taken and so um, <clears throat> don't don't give yourself that much power right <laughs> Darn. <laughs> um because we can we can hold a, a lot of guilt in that suitcase you know and yes. and um and that's really ultimately exactly what the enemy wants us to do is to hold on to the guilt and the resentment and the shame and all of those things and pack our suitcase with all of those things so that we can't pack them with good things and mm-hmm. then ultimately we're busting that suitcase and and busting the zipper and it's more broken and we can't pack anything to take my along. suitcase is horrible <laughs> it's horrible <laughs> but you have so much good packed in that suitcase you know but yeah. it's it's the romans eight twenty eight. like he's working mm-hmm. and good in all things to those who love him and um live according to his purpose like 
I don't doubt one bit that he worked in and through that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, the sad thing about it is like, I, I didn't look back at it, you know, yeah. I just kept on trying to help my son not ruin what he had coming. So, um, junior year ended, um, and he had a really big summer. He, he played in California on an area code team there. Mm-hmm. Uh, he pitched in Minute Maid yeah. Stadium uh, with the Astros. He pitched in Yankee Stadium. That's that crazy. was the last thing he did for his summer, right before his senior year. Um, he pitched in Yankee Stadium, and he wore a Yankees uniform there. Wow. Yeah. Um, he also signed a letter of intent to LSU. Um, four-year college scholarship um, for pitching and so we had everything wrapped up and ready to go for his senior year Uh, we had major league people just calling calling Mm. calling and um, wanting to meet him wanting to meet him so it was a big deal for us Um, Mm. and our excitement was over the moon. Yes. We were so excited for him. Like this was his dream his entire life. And by his hard work and our fortunate, I guess, money situation to be able to help him go these places, he yeah. was seeing. And so his dreams were coming true. Mm. Our dreams for him were coming true. Um, and uh, it was really beautiful. And then... Um, I'm going to say probably the third week of his senior year, I started getting emails, uh, from the school saying that, you know, he was skipping school, he was missing, he missed this class, he missed this class, he missed this class. And, you know, so I began to question him after a couple of weeks. I was like, why am I getting these emails? You know, because what's going on? Yeah. yeah, I mean, he had his own vehicle. He drove to school and had baseball. He, uh, um, you know, he didn't have a job. We didn't make him work as long as his grades were kept up and he was doing baseball and um, doing everything, you know, the lessons and things that we had for him to do. Yeah. His job was baseball. His job was baseball. Yeah. Um, And so that's one of, I think, my regrets. And I'll talk about that a little bit later as to why I say that. Mm -hmm. Um, But, I mean, everything was going good until... Um, probably in the first semester of school, I found out that um, he wasn't going to school at all. He was uh, actually leaving our house in the middle of the night and going and, and hanging out with people that didn't even know he could throw a baseball. Wow. So he had met some, I don't know if he, I don't know why, okay, but he started hanging out with some people that um, weren't very good. And um, didn't have a life for themselves, didn't have a college, you know, didn't have anything. And uh, they, he started doing drugs. Um, and uh, I think he actually just, one night, you know, he just left our house. I mean, he was out, you know, his buddies came and picked him up. And I mean, I'll never forget that. You know, these guys just waving and laughing as I was crying in the front yard, begging him not to leave. You know, um, you have such high hopes for your child and you think everything is going in in one direction. Mm. And um, at that moment, I was in, 
I was broken. Mm-hmm. I was in despair. I was, oh my goodness, I can't even explain to you the emotions I felt, the pain, the unknown. I mean, mm-hmm. where was he going? What was he going to do? And just, you know, trying to call the police, getting, you know, the Deer Park police involved yeah, yeah. and trying to find out where these guys lived, who were their parents. Um, it was just, it was horrible. And There's so then, much fear and, and anxiety. Yeah, and the unknown, you know, and so, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, people tell you and they encourage you, okay, well, if he's, you know, doing that, doing drugs, then, you know, take his phone, don't let him have any money, and, you know, and, and the thought of taking his phone, that How was I find the him. big, yeah. Uh, yeah, what if anything happens? Mm-hmm. What if he needs us, mm-hmm. you know, and my husband was kind of the rock in you know, and the, the, the strong one yeah. in wanting me to do these, the, take these steps. And yeah. I was just broken. Um, and I didn't know what to do with myself. Yeah. So, um, I'd say about, um, I don't even know how many weeks it was, maybe just two, maybe just one, probably two. Uh, he came, he came back home and he asked for help and he was, and this is still up. in his senior year. Yes. Yes, and he was um, had been very messed up, taking some uh, something called MDMA, uh, smoking pot, um, probably doing some other things. I'm not sure, but he came to our house very messed up, and so um, I was able. My brother is a pastor. He was a pastor in Dickinson at the time, and so he knew of a rehab facility there, uh, and so we were able to get him in there, and. <laughs> I laugh at this now because, I mean, I look back at pictures, you know, like he did so good, mm-hmm. you know, but he was only there for 30 days. Yeah. And we got it, he got out, you know, so during that 30 days, we thought, you know, we're going to tough love and all this stuff. And so we went and sold his truck mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, to try to, I guess, let him know that we were just not going to put up with this. Yeah. And so against my husband's wishes, um, the day that he got out, I went and bought him a car. Mm. Yeah. Wrong thing to do. Yeah. Definitely the wrong thing to do. And I laugh at it now because I can't believe I ever did that. But (laughs) I mean, I see it now at the stage I'm at today. Right. And see, you can see kind of all the mistakes that you made along the way. Right. But I mean, there is no book on parenting. What? There is no book on (laughs) parenting a child that has a drug addiction for sure. Uh, yeah. There's nothing. And um, you thought, oh, he's done so good. We're going to reward him. Like, he's yeah. got to have transportation, too. Like, Yeah, he's got to get to LSU, you know? Right. Um, and so I went and talked to uh, one of the one of the coordinators at, at the high school, and we got him into, um, what is the other school called? Walters. Walters, yes. Mm-hmm. And so we made it to where he could still play baseball and still graduate if he went there. So we fixed, you know, Mom went and fixed everything <clears throat> for him. Yeah. Um, he lasted um, not even a week. Wow. And he quit school. And he um, just went on a binge mm-hmm. um, living with other people. I mean, I'm telling you, like, we have been through um, countless rehabs. We, I mean, I've been through car wrecks. I've been through stabbings. I've been through shootings. I've been through 
um, I mean, many rehabs to his, there's just no success yet. And, it, you know, as a parent, you are desperate Absolutely. to heal your child. Mm -hmm. You want your child better. Mm -hmm. And so for the longest time, you know, um, well, let me back up just a second. So when he started at this rehab, I began to go to church again. I began to, in 2003, just to get on my hands and knees and just pray and cry and pray and cry mm -hmm. to God for help and for guidance. And mm -hmm. so, um, and this was at my brother's church, okay, because I couldn't be seen in Deer Park. Mm -hmm. I was so judged mm -hmm. over the actions of my son um, and uh, people were very ugly, mm. and it was very hurtful. Um, I was probably, I probably didn't even grocery shop in, in Deer Park for a year. Wow. I mean, it took me a long time to come back into Deer Park um, to even attend church, and um, it was... It breaks my heart. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm really saying that because I want people to understand that... <sighs> Don't let that deter you from getting support, mm. okay? Mm -hmm. Don't feel judged. Don't feel, I mean, find a support group mm -hmm. and because you're going to be loved and you're going to be prayed for there and you're going to be surrounded by people that are going through the same things. Yeah. They may be in different phases, um, but definitely that was probably one of the hardest things too because... Um, you know, I had a couple of friends that I could call, probably drove them crazy calling yeah. them, um, and crying and desperation and just, they were there for me every moment. Um, that's beautiful. Yeah. And, and on uh, the other side of that, like, don't be the people that, you know, look at, look at people that have children that are a addicts or, um, someone that has a child that got pregnant as a teenager or someone that has a child that, I mean, X, Y, Z, you fill in the blank. Like right. don't be the people that cast the judgment. You know what I mean? Like this is not, this mm -hmm. is not our job. Our job is to love, you That's know? That's right. And, um, we don't, we don't know. That's the thing. Like we talk about, you know, putting on these masks and that's immediately what I thought of whenever you said I couldn't grocery shop in Deer Park. I didn't want to show my face in Deer Park. I couldn't go to church in Deer Park. Like all, like you're wearing this, this mask anytime you would. Right. And mm -hmm. that's just like, we have to be authentically us. Right. Right. Like mm -hmm. it's not fair for, for, uh, and that's not even the right words that I want to use. I mean, it's, it's unjust. Like you, you can't, you, Deer Park did a disservice mm -hmm. to you, the people of Deer Park, you know? Mm -hmm. So listeners don't be those people. Right. <laughs> Cause right. we all have our stuff because we, it's not the parents fault. No, no. And girl, that's something that I have struggled with. Like for sure with some of this, you know, we won't go into all of my story, but I've shared some on here with, with the, the challenges that we've had obstacles that we've had with, um, my 17 year old, like, and feeling like, what did, what could I have done different? Where did, where did I go wrong? Mm -hmm. You know, people in the the church that we were at, like the decisions that she's made, well, you shouldn't be in leadership because you don't have your own house in order and, you know, things like this, like, wow, like what, you know? And so then of course that causes a, 
mm-hmm. I don't know, you know, this tumbleweed effect of like, then it just builds and builds and builds and builds. And you're like, wow, maybe it, maybe it is something that I did. And that mm-hmm. is totally wrong. That's not, I mean, yes, we are not perfect. No. And we don't always respond the way that we should. And we don't always discipline the way that we should and whatever, you know. But there's not a book. There's not a book. <laughs> maybe we should write one. Do we have it all figured out now? No. <laughs> we don't 100% we don't (laughs) yeah so I'm okay continue sorry there is not a book no um so I don't even remember where it was well you couldn't go to your park you were going to church so I went to church over there for probably about five years wow okay yeah and so he was in and out of different facilities um you know there were many times that we let him come home uh there were many times that um I mean, and, and during those times, I mean, he stole from us. Mm-hmm. He stole my debit card. And here I thought Shell, the Shell gas station on the corner was taking my money. And it was my kid taking, you know, 60, 40. I mean, mm-hmm. he was pulsing money right. at the Shell gas station with my gas card. And here I am wow. going to the credit union saying, somebody's stealing my money. Like, I didn't even at that point think my kid would steal from me. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know. you assume positive intent. Right. We thought right. that, you know, yeah. And you and want then, to believe the best. Right. Mm-hmm. So uh, then he had the biggest party ever in the city of Deer Park, I'm sure. Okay. Um, we had, uh, he had recently gotten out of rehab. And so we had planned a trip to Galveston um, as a family. We had rented a beach house down there. Uh, and so... Um, we had planned on, you know, just having some family time, and he wanted to invite a friend. And so, I mean, I said yes, of mm-hmm. course. And um, I didn't really know this guy. Uh, and so the first night there, um, they had uh, called a friend and had left the beach house, and they had went back to our house. Obviously, Tyler had opened or unlocked a door somewhere and left it unlocked Wow! so they could have the biggest party ever and when we got back um, our neighbors called okay and said uh, there's something going on yeah like there was no way that anybody could get in that we had a cul-de-sac I mean like it was a cul-de-sac one way in and one way out right so barely anybody could even get into the street it was so huge and wow. um, the police came, but nobody would answer the door. Uh, so um, I know he kept asking me, that, you know, on Sunday, when, when are you guys going to be here? Like, I'm like, well, we're within an hour. He's like, okay. So when we got there, of course, he was gone. My house was destroyed. <laughs> you know, they had stolen jewelry. Um, they had uh, torn our security system out of the wall. Um uh, you can imagine, like, throw up. I mean, just oh it was God. just a massive mess. And um, so I think he left in a hurry because whenever I went upstairs, you know, I found a thermos on his table, something that wasn't there before, and I opened it, and it was full of pot. Mm. Yeah, so I flushed it. Mm-hmm. He was so mad. He was so mad at me because he, you know... I guess he was dealing, you know, and trying to sell that stuff. So then he owed somebody, you know, Mm -hmm. it was, it was just crazy. It's just, 
I guess I'm just trying to explain that it's not it's not just about the addiction. There's so much drama mm. and things that go along with the addiction. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you keep trying to help them and help them. And, you know, that, that became his story. Well, you kicked me out. So that's why I'm homeless. That's why I have no food. That's why, you know, I'm sleeping on benches. It's the victim mentality, right? Yeah. That comes and along with addiction. Yeah. It's everyone else's fault. It is. Mm-hmm. And um, it took me a long time, but um, I finally came to the realization, and it wasn't that long ago, probably less than a year ago, that um, I can't fix him. Yeah. So we are still actively going through his addiction to this day. Wow. Um, now, he did get sober for about a year and a half, and I was able to even put him to work. He went to work for me, um, and he made good money. He cleared up all of his warrants, got his driver's license, bought his own vehicle. Yeah. I mean, everything was great. And then he stopped going to work, and I had to let him go. Mm-hmm. You know. So then he didn't get a job for a year, um, <clears throat> and that's during like the last year. Yeah. And so he ended up you know, breaking and entering, just, he's just getting in a lot of trouble, stealing things, um, climbing into an apartment that wasn't his just to sleep, you know, things like that. But, um, my, uh, instructions to him were that, I mean, you have to, you have to choose it. You have to want it. I've done everything I can. Yeah. You can't choose it for him. Yeah, Mm -hmm. definitely. Um, I feel like there's so many pieces that I'm missing and things, um, but you know that you're saying what needs to be said. I mean, ultimately, you know, for, for whoever it is that's listening on the other end. Yes. So I want to um, go back just a little bit because um, I started like a little sewing business mm-hmm. during his addiction because I had to keep busy, had to keep my mind busy. Um, it the stress and stuff made me really sick on the inside. Yeah. Um, and I just needed to focus. Like I would sew, sew pillows, you know, yeah. and bedding and stuff like that. And my sewing room was kind of my war room. I mean, mm. I did, um, I don't know if anybody's seen the movie, but mm-hmm. I did have a closet and I didn't get in it because it was one of the slim closets. Yeah. But it was <laughs> but a closet. It was a closet. And, um, my husband knew, you know, I mean, because there were things that happened and, you know, turning your kid away and telling him he can't come in your house. Oh, I mean, yeah, I would do it with a straight face. But once you shut the door and turn crumble. around, mm-hmm. you crumble as a parent. And um, that was my war room. And I would go up there and I would cry. I would talk to God. I would pray until I just, you know, he, God made me feel better. Yeah. And, um, and what I need to, I guess, express to everybody is that I had to... I read, I read the Jesus Calling, mm-hmm. okay? And on August 23rd in the Jesus Calling book, devotional book, it talks about do not idolize your children. Wow. Do not put, idol, do not idolize anybody and put them before me. Mm-hmm. If you do, you know, bad things could happen, <laughs> okay? <laughs> so when I read that, it scared me to death. Mm-hmm. Um, and so at that point, I, I knew God was talking to me, like, because I had been still... Mm-hmm trying to fix my kid 
Yeah. And at that point, it changed me, and I just had to um, give him up to God. Yeah. And so, and that's what I began doing. But the thing about that is, I gave him to God, whether it be life or death. Wow. Yeah. And so, I mean, I had already planned his funeral. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew that. Um, I didn't know what the outcome was going to be, and I just really thought it wouldn't be the best. Mm. Um, and that was very, very difficult. So, I mean, all these steps, God was there every single time. Um, and my relationship with Him just became stronger and stronger mm-hmm. and stronger. And so I'm still going to Dickinson Church, but mm-hmm. I began to pray for a women's group. You know, God just. We didn't have a women's group there. A lot of our women in that church were elderly. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, so Cassie mm-hmm. Pullig, there's a story there. We used to be neighbors. Well, when our kids were little bitty, uh-huh. okay, we used to be neighbors. She used to be across the street from me. And she used to sell home interiors. That's how I met her uh-huh. because I loved home interiors. Um, and this girl would invite me to church every single week. Yeah. And it got so bad. I mean, I would never go, okay? But, I mean, I would actually look out my blinds to make sure she was gone on Sundays before I came outside. Cassie girl. Yeah, she's trying to duck and hide. Yeah. So, I mean, God bless her heart. She was so faithful. And um, so what ended up happening is she had her first conference, and it was um, Jesus... um, I can't even remember what it was, but it was at Central Baptist. Yeah. I had the green shirts, um, and uh, I, think I didn't it, go to the first one. That's I think it was Gary Meacham that spoke. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, all this time I'd been praying for a women's ministry. Yeah. You know, I just want to go to a church that has a women's prayer group. I just know I need that. Yeah. And that's where God was leading me. Well, um, so I um, had brought a couple of ladies from work, and I brought my mom, and we all went to this conference. And I was so pumped up after this conference, okay, that I went back to my church and I said, ladies, I mean, you have to go to the next conference, you know. And um, so at this church, we would have um, every, between Thanksgiving and Christmas, we would have a ladies' tea. And what it was is you bought a table and you would decorate it, you know, Mm -hmm, for Christmas, mm -hmm. however you wanted. Mm -hmm. And they would serve dinner and there would be a guest speaker. And so um, I ended up reaching out to Cassie and I said... Um, I need a speaker. Like, I need to have what you had at that conference. We need a lot of fire in this church over here for these ladies. You know, um, who can, I'm, I'm willing to pay for it. Like, who can we get? Who can we get? Yeah. And she said, well, let me pray about it and let me talk to a few people and I'll let you know. And she called me a week or so later and she said, so what would you think if it was me? <gasps> Cassie. Yeah. And that's how it all began. Wow. She yeah. came to my church and she spoke about her struggles. Which was so far outside of her comfort zone. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So um, she came and she spoke and it was beautiful. And I think Renewed by Faith was created <laughs> kind of after that. Yeah. Um, and then, so um, with all the excitement I had, um, I decided to come back to Deer Park and start mm-hmm. searching for my own church mm-hmm. here and um, actually started helping with Renew by Faith and then all of a sudden I was you know 
on the Renew by Faith team. <laughs> um, and so just that's kind of how God has worked for me yeah. in this whole ordeal. Um, but during this time, I can't say my son was my was the only one with addiction. Mm. So I have three children. All three children have had a meth addiction. Mm. So my oldest daughter, um, she had a meth addiction. Um, and she had two small children, um, which we didn't know because we were never allowed to see them. And them being in Arkansas, it's really hard to, to see kind of how deep their addiction was. You know, like I knew I was dealing with Tyler's like right up front. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, Theirs was more of a 30,000 foot view. Like you're not in the trenches with it. Right. Yeah. So it was different for me. Um, and, uh, so Rebecca ended up finally, I mean, I finally talked her into going to a rehab Mm -hmm. and she did. So we took her two children, Mike and I, and we raised them for almost a year. Mm -hmm. Um, they were two and four. And, um, these children had, uh, been through a horrible experience. There was trauma Um, there. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. My little two-year-old had a tattoo on her foot that her dad had given her. My goodness. Yeah. So, and they, they were, I didn't know that I was going to make it. Mm -hmm. I mean, the first three weeks, I mean, like we had nothing. We got them on Christmas Eve. Wow. But the hardness and, and, and everything that we went through, I just know God placed them to, with me to give me something to love that really deserved to be loved and focus on them and not my son and his issues, Mm -hmm. you know? So we were able to, um, keep them and just love on them. They had never been loved so much in their life. I mean, it became where, um, they were healthy and perfect by the time she was ready to get out and Mm -hmm. and take them back. Mm -hmm. And so right now she is, um, I think four years sober and hallelujah. Yeah. She is starting RN school. She works at, uh, an ER there in Jonesboro, Arkansas. That's amazing. Yeah. Any Baptist hospital there. So she is doing great. Um, uh, when you were when you were describing that, it reminds me of you know, and we say this all the time, sort of in, in a cliche, but in, you know, in scripture, like he, his, our weakness, his strength shines through our weakness, mm-hmm. and so in those weakest moments of you know, my gosh, like you're going through this with your son, and, and then you've got your daughter, and I don't know if you were dealing with even your your other daughter no, at that she point, was sober but, at that point, <laughs> you know, but like you've gone through, you have gone through all of this trauma, which breaks us down, you know, yes. and. And um, quite literally broken, and in that weakness, you know, you found the strength because of your relationship with Jesus, like Absolutely. He who, who indwells within you. And so His strength shines through your weakness, mm-hmm. you know. And I just think that's I literally got this like pick this download of a picture of exactly that, you know, just light just being beamed into you and out to them, you know. Mm-hmm. And what an incredible gift, you know. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's like the first thing I say in my testimony is, I know you look at me, you think I have it all going on. You <laughs> think that, I mean, I have it all together and I don't, mm-hmm. my heart is broken. I mean, my insides are broken just like everybody else that's hurting in this mm-hmm. world. Nothing is different. Uh, maybe I wear different makeup or, mm-hmm. you know, wear different clothes or, 
Um, but I'm not any different than anybody else. And yeah. I never um, would want anybody to think that. Mm-hmm. I'm just as open to, to pray with them mm-hmm. um, and build relationships with them. And that's, you know, kind of why, like, everybody in our little community, all these church girls and things, that's why I don't know anybody. Because I was never here for five years. Right. You know, and so now I'm just beginning to meet everybody and build these relationships. And it's yeah. really beautiful. And it's just... I mean, it's all because of God, you know, he just keeps doing things for me. Mm. Um, you know, so, uh, he truly does open up doors that no man can close and it's in his perfect timing, Mm -hmm. you know, because of the opportunities and obstacles that have been brought to you within the last three years or brought to you 10 years ago, it Mm -hmm. would have looked completely different. Right. So his timing is perfect. Yes. And I feel like he has walked with me this entire journey, even mm-hmm. though some of it was very hard and yeah. very, I mean, he doesn't promise hard. us that it's going to be easy. That's right. Yeah. Not at all. Mm-hmm. And, but he's been there with me through every step of every day. Um, you know, there would be times I would wake up in the middle of the night a lot and mm-hmm. just think, Oh my gosh, something's happened. Um, okay. You know, something's happened to Tyler. Something's happened to Jessica or, mm-hmm. you know, and I would just begin to pray. Mm-hmm. And I would pray for God just to come, you know, put your hands around them, God, and and take care of them, please, and keep them safe. Mm-hmm. And you know, He would He would let me fall straight back asleep. Wow. Yeah. Yes, every single time. And um, it's just things like that. There's there's so many ways that He has touched me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not like a speaker. <laughs> I'm not. Well, I think I was at a conference that you spoke at, in I, fact. I know. <laughs> That's not who I am. But God makes me that way. Mm-hmm. God, um, he excites me. Mm. He, he has done so many things for me and my family. And even though today um, Rebecca is sober, Tyler's in another rehab, mm. um, and uh, Jessica is still actively doing meth, Mm -hmm. you know, and, um, I love her and I've told her that I just don't love what she's doing and I can't have a relationship with her because of that. Mm -hmm. Um, because I have to take care of myself, Mm -hmm. you know, so I'm in that position where I'm standing firm with my children. Um, and God has helped me get there. You know, my friends, Mm -hmm. the prayers, the Bible, you know, um, my pastor, Mm -hmm. uh, have all helped me get to this place. And, um, Tyler, uh, he's been in a rehab in Kentucky for, I'm going to say, five months now. Oh, wow. Yes. And so uh, they it's a, it's, it's an 11-month program. He's safe. Yes, he is mm-hmm. safe. Mm-hmm. It's horrible how we have to think that they're safe while they're in jail. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah, for sure. You know, but he's been there. Um, I... It's a it's a great facility. It's Christian based. I mean, they have really good high rates. Um, they put them in school. He's in welding school right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have classes every day um, and things like that. So um, he's doing that. And so last year was kind of tough. Mm-hmm. I know I'm kind of all over the place, that's okay. but that's I mean, okay. God's leading it out. I mean, yeah, so I'm going to keep on going. Uh, last year is when. Okay, after the Renew by Faith conference, I really, I really wanted to just slow down and just, I knew God was leading me somewhere. I just did not know where. 
Yeah. Okay. I didn't know what he had in store for me. I didn't know if it was something I could do. Mm. I was just... But you know, if he's leading you there, it's something that you can do. Right. Mm -hmm. So I decided um, for the last, you know, eight months, seven months of last year, I was just going to try to slow down my life. Um, I began therapy. Um, I began yoga. I began meditating. Mm. I began um, just getting into his word Mm. and just trying to be still and listen. Yeah. And just to listen and... um, one of the uh, Kindred Hearts um, retreats that I went to mm. was kind of the opening story. I kind of felt like God was leading me to help others. Yeah. I knew that I wanted to help others. I just didn't know how it was going to come about. Yeah. Um, and then uh, at that retreat, Georgette had invited me. Um, and at that, Cassie and I both went and Angelica to this retreat. And, you know, we broke up into groups the very first night. And so the very first night, the lady that sat beside me had a son that was very active in addiction. Mm. So it's just God. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He just kept giving me signs about Mm -hmm. um, what I needed to do. Mm -hmm. And so I um, still had no vision of what I was going to do or how I was going to do it. Um, and then uh, Tyler went to the Isaiah house, and I ended up talking to one of the guys there in the house, one of the uh, counselors. Mm-hmm. And he said, I was telling him, I said, you know, God's leading me in a direction uh, to help parents of addiction. I just, I don't know what that is yet. I don't know what that looks like yet. Yeah. And he said, you know what? You need to call the PAL group. Uh. And I was like, Okay. And so for a couple of months, I didn't do anything. And um, then I looked them up and I saw that they were a Christian organization and that their um, facilitators were all volunteers. Yeah. And so that's what led me to that. And here we are. And here we are. (laughs) I cannot believe it. So tell us just um, briefly, because we will have an episode two and dig in more to that, but just real briefly what, what PALS, PALS Group is and what it stands for, and then um, we'll kind of close out here, and you'll be able to share more of the story um, in the next episode on what that journey has looked like so far and where it's taking you and how excited you are behind the mission that, that, it, that PALS is. Okay. So... Um... PAL is Parents of Addicted Loved Ones, and it's a Christian organization to um, provide a free support group to parents um, of addicted loved ones, to spouses, to Mm. siblings, anybody that has been affected by someone in addiction that they love, Mm. they can come to the support group, and it's free. Um, And anybody over the age of 18 can come. Mm -hmm. And so... um, Pretty much, um, they have like nine different lessons that we go through that talks about like delayed emotional growth, um, promises to a loved one, unhealthy versus healthy. Mm, It just tries to. That's big right there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Enabling checklist, four stages of growth and recovery. I've always said that there's three phases to this. One, the first phase for me was desperation, heartbrokenness. Um, despair. The second phase was I thought I was tough loving, but I was still paying rent. 
still yeah. giving money, you yeah. know, into yeah. the, the last tough phase. love with a cushion. <laughs> yeah. And then the last phase was where I really put my foot down and said, it's either, this has to be your decision. You decide for you if you want to be better. If not, lose my number. Don't ever call me again. Mm. I'm not going to do this anymore. Mm. I'm no longer doing drama. And um, that was the last thing I did five months ago. Wow. Yeah. So, wow. and then God put this in my life. Yes, so. I'm so excited to hear so much more. I know that the listeners are too, because this is really where it begins. Um, you know, setting the groundwork is what we've done here. Like, mm-hmm. okay, where, how have we gotten to where we are? And who are you to even be able to talk to, talk to this? You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm a <laughs> because, nobody. <laughs> because some people, you know, are sitting on the other side and they're like, you know, they don't know Kim Rice and, and they're sitting there going, yeah, well, my kid is addicted to this and been in and out of rehab and this, that, and the other. And then they listen to your story and they're like, okay, well maybe she, maybe she can align and, and understand and empathize with where I am, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, um, what you're going to share about, uh, pal is going to be, you know, monumental for somebody on the other I end. I hope so. That's what somebody I know. God's going to make it amazing. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. So thank you so much for being here today and sharing your story and being vulnerable. Like that's one of the things that I tell my guests, like it's huge to be vulnerable. It is. And it's, it can be intimidating to sit here with a mic in front of you and know that, you know, hundreds or thousands of people will listen, you know, to this at, at some point and just, um, how that can be overwhelming, but you know that sitting here doing this, if it changes the course for one person, mm-hmm. you would do it a hundred thousand times. <laughs> yes, know? absolutely. No matter how com- uncomfortable it can be. So yeah. I, I admire that about you and every other guest that sits on the other end. So thank you. Thank you so much. Yes. Yes. All right, guys. Um, episode two, uh, w- with this, the, 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 the part two will be next week. So make sure that you catch it with, uh, me, your host, Becky Kahn and our special guest, Kim Wright. And until next time, just know that you are so very, very loved. <laughs>